0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. Our guest this week is Brownfield, Texas farmer, Wade Cowan, president of the American Soybean Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with American Soybean Association President Wade Gowan next. America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance now more than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting more than 290 million acres of farmland and more than 130 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. This is AgriPulse, open mic. Last week in Iowa, Chinese officials signed various allotments for a record 484 million bushels of U.S. soybeans, worth an estimated $5.3 billion. American Soybean Association President Wade Cowan says China buys about a fourth of all the soybeans grown in the U.S., and he's grateful for every customer for U.S. soybean supplies.
1: Well, the first thing, Jeff, is customers are important to the American soybean farmer, and you know whether it be uh, China or whether it be the uh, Taiwanese, whether it be beans that are going to Mexico or anywhere on earth, the export market is vitally important to soybean farmers, and good customers are vitally important, you know. And the Chinese are a, a excellent customer. The Japanese, it's it's everybody. It's a it's a, a big tent effort, and it's not only the uh, effort in the sustainability and the production and the sales of soybeans per se it's also the ability of our partners in animal agriculture and the poultry and in the dairy and in the swine industry to have their markets open as well because that increases the animal use here at home and helps us out at every level and that's the kind of the teamwork and the effort that we need on all levels and it's really good to see that that it's paying off and that we have a, you know, a, a valuable asset as the American soybean farmer with USEC that really does a world class job of making sure that uh, we're presented well in other markets and that we're uh, apprised of any situation and that we stay on top of it and that we have really good relations with those foreign countries.
0: You have to have some level of, of appreciation for the Chinese knowing the global supply is great to come and to make a single purchase of 484 million bushels of soybeans. What other opportunities were you able to take advantage of with the Chinese president in town, but also a number of their political realm and of their agriculture groups? What meetings did you have, Wade, and and what success do you think you found?
1: Well, uh, I was really privileged this week that I was able to go to New Orleans and meet with Minister Han, the head of the, Chinese Ministry of Agriculture. Really pleased that we had the opportunity and that uh, he made himself available and was really engaged. We had about an hour on the bus ride that he just really sat right across the aisle from me, and we engaged on a developing a friendship model, developing a relationship. Uh, You know, I was really interested to learn that, that Minister Han had grown up on a Small farm in China and that he had been involved in cotton and, and beans and, and rotation on his farm. And, he, and it's, and it wasn't that different of a story than Wade County in West Texas. And we grew up on a cotton and we had beans in rotation and we, we, I knew a lot of the same things. We, we, uh, we shared a lot of the same stories. And so when you meet with people like that, when you get to that level and then he was so interested in what the American farmer, what the challenges were, what, we saw what we needed, what the changes that had occurred during our lifetime, and we had talked about the differences. And then, without bringing up some of the issues that seem to always, you know, be clouding the discussion, like approvals of new technologies and stuff, we talked about what things had happened that really helped us. And, and part of that is that we talked about how the biotechnology had helped make sure that we had a good rotation on our farm and that we were able to actually decrease insecticides. And we were actually able to decrease and change the makeup of what herbicides we had used. And and he was really engaged in that conversation and really wanted to make sure that the American farmer was able to operate and do so in a profitable way and you know that's really good to hear from somebody that's a customer that you know you would think that they buy so much that they always want the cheapest price they could get, but he was really engaged in that the the fact that uh, you know farmers need to make a living and farmers need to be successful, and and I think we uh, I think we've developed a really good relationship. I think that you'll see uh, Minister Han back over in the U.S. and back in in West Texas, and of course we'll be in China in. The, Future and I think we've got the groundwork of of really good discussion going forward, and I'm really, I'm really hopeful that that friendship, that relationship, that that the groundwork has been built here, that it moves forward, and that we're able to accomplish things that will be good for people all over.
0: During this past week, the first strategic agriculture innovation dialogue between the U.S. and China, and biotechnology was one of the topics that were presented. What can you say about that meeting and how can that meeting and your meeting with Mr. Hahn, how can those help?
1: They help because they give a dialogue. They give a place where without pushing, without in a kind of a neutral atmosphere that we can discuss how things need to move forward and how that how that the big picture, how the teamwork picture, how the how that picture looks, because it's. It's about us as farmers. It's about us as farmers all across the U.S. and all the different challenges we face. It's about the consumer and then what the consumer needs and what the consumer wants on his end. You know, basically comes down, Jeff, to the, to the simple fact that we're all the same. It doesn't matter whether you're Chinese or you're, you grew up in West Texas or in Kentucky or wherever we're all of the same mindset that we want a better life for us and our kids. And so as that dialogue takes place, and as you all realize that, it just adds to an air of cooperation. And I think it's an air where things move forward, and we both get
0: the things that we need moving forward. Obviously, you'd like the Chinese to speed up their trade approval process. And some level of low-level presence of acceptance, if there might be a minuscule amount of a unapproved trade that wouldn't stop at least that load from going into the to Chinese ports, or shut down trade between countries over that particular issue.
1: Yeah, the, you know, low-level presence is a thing that that I think we need to work on every level and. Uh... And they and we're asking them to do that, and you know I think in the U.S. we need to look at that. We don't have a low-level presence here either. I think that low-level presence is is one of the things that's finally coming to the table that that will help us out, and that we're going to attain that goal rather quickly.
0: With regard to producers and consumers, in the House of Representatives, a bill has been approved that would create a national voluntary labeling program. And in the Senate, uh, I think at this stage of the game, the Republican side of the aisle has a champion, but looking for a co-sponsor and other members of the Democratic side that might bring the legislation forward. Wade, with regard to biotechnology, what are your thoughts toward that labeling bill and, as I understand, uh, sometime soon, a number of your board members and leaders will be in Washington to talk to congressional leaders about the measures.
1: Well, to take your first point, yes we've we've needed uh, someone to uh, come step up from the Democratic side and be a co-sponsor. Uh, the things I'm hearing is that there there are a few senators that are interested in that, and that we're hoping that they'll go ahead and step up. We're going to be in Washington on October 7th. We're going to be making a a push there. Uh, It's one of the things that ASA is taking the lead on and uh, really trying to work with all the other groups. And we're trying to put together groups of people from every state that can talk to their senators that are not just one aspect of, of the economy. We're trying to put together not only farmers but processors and end users and food manufacturers and put everybody in the room from a given state with with their given lawmakers and point out what the positives are and how this is gonna help the food industry, because nothing is going to be more expensive and more convoluted than to end up with a patchwork of states that want this on their label and want that. And the thing that really comes to is that we agree that a consumer ought to know what is in their food. And if they're worried about genetically modified, then the best way to do it is the way this bill presents it. It has a certification through USDA where you certify that you don't – you have zero – and when you're certified that and you look at the label, you know it's zero. And that's the only way that the consumer really ever knows because the other way, there's exemptions. There's there's everything in the world, and you don't know if it's 1% or 100% GM product. And, and if it really matters, what you really want to know is if it doesn't. And so I, I think that we've got a good plan forward, and uh, we're hearing positive things from our senators, and I think we're going to be able to push – You know, this is one of the things that we're going to be able to be successful on, and I think we'll get this bill through Congress, and we'll get it up to the president, and I think he'll sign it.
0: Wait, do you have a concern of consuming foods that might have been made with ingredients from genetically enhanced crops? And how would debate over or discussion over a high oleic soybean be different than what the debate is going on now?
1: You know, I've never had any concern. I'm really the other way around. I, I was on a plane the other day, and, and they had some corn chips, and like so much of the stuff you see now, it said, you know, these are GMO-free, and I give it back to the stewardess, and she looked at me, and I said, Do you got anything that's just normal, good food? And she said, well, that's the only ones we have. And I said, well, you know, I really don't want that because I know how much we used to spray when we farmed with that kind of corn, and and now that we don't. And you know, I had about five or six people on the airplane say, Whoa, "Well, explain that to us." And it's it's just a, a, a misnomer that people don't understand the the risk is nothing if you look at every bit of the scientific data for for genetically modified food. But the risk of not having it, not only to the economy, but to the food supply and everything. Mm-hmm. Because what I always go back to is, we used to grow corn here, Jeff, where I'm at, and quite literally because of the uh, southwestern corn borer and the earworm we would spray corn a lot of times on full season corn 12 times through the year now we grow that same corn and i can show you corn fields every year that have never sprayed with an insecticide and that's a great thing for the environment that's a great thing for all of us that live out here in the rural community and that's a It's a great story to be told that just doesn't get out there.
0: Let's talk about Washington. Uh, you're headed that way to testify before the House Agriculture Committee on food aid programs. What's your message?
1: First thing is that we need to keep supporting the food aid programs and uh, you know, the big message here is that that there's a a sentiment in Congress that wants to go to a hundred percent cash outlay. instead of doing what we've traditionally done, which is send food aid, you know, purchase food or get donations of food. And, you know, our message is that we need to continue with the program. We put it in the farm bill where where we're going to have this in-kind products going across the sea instead of doing everything with cash. And the cynical side in me and what we see is when you've got cash, there's just so much ability there for there to be corruption and for the money not to go where it needs to be. And that's not what any of us want. When we want to, when we want to help a disadvantaged or a, or a community that's trying to get on its feet or whether it's had a crisis, we don't want to see corruption and money going to those who don't need it. We want to see that what we send overseas actually help the individual and that's what the food aid itself and getting the product into the market does that, that cash so many times doesn't do.
0: Over the last week, uh, talks at the working level in San Francisco on the Trans-Pacific Partnership and meetings will continue in Atlanta this week on the TPP. Wade, what does this mean for soybean growers? If you get this, what happens if this deal fails?
1: Well, if you get it, then I think it's going to be a great thing, and it's going to be a great thing for not only us as soybean producers. It's going to be a, a good thing for our partners in animal ag and I think it leaves a lot of what goes on in that trade in that area of the world where we have a say in it, you know, and, and I'm so afraid that if, if we don't get this deal done and that we don't work together in a teamwork approach across the whole Pacific Rim that we're going to get into a deal where it becomes very regionalized and very factionalized and so we need this Big Ten approach, we need this teamwork approach and from what I'm hearing from the trade people and the USDA people that we've been in talks with is that, They're getting very close. We need to make this deal work, and we need to make it work for everybody and get as much free trade as we can, get the trade as open as we can, because I think American farmers win every time when it comes to competition.
0: Let's shift back to Washington. Uh, Plenty of discussion over this week of whether a continuing resolution will be approved to keep the government running or if there will be a shutdown. How does a shutdown affect the soybean industry, and how does it affect soybean farmers?
1: Shutdown affects us first of all because the FSA office isn't gonna be open. In our area of the country we're dealing with some uh, L D P payments and things like that and and there's bigger issues at play here. You know, I wish I just wish a lot of time, Jeff, that we had some more adults in the room because it just seems like it's like a kindergarten fuss when it comes to a lot of this stuff, and there's not any statesmen up there anymore that seem to be able to craft legislation to work with with programs. And do it in such a way that we can we can work together as as a country and do what's best for America. And it always seems to come down to a, if I don't get in my way, I'm going to pick up my toys and go home. And then that didn't work when we were kids, and it still doesn't work today. Whether you're you know when you're in government, so I hope that the shutdown doesn't happen. You know, if it does, uh, hopefully that that we'll be able to to muddle through, and it won't affect you know trade too much with grain inspection and stuff. We'll just have to. We'll have to see as it goes.
0: Wade, what about the market access program and foreign market development funds from the Department of Agriculture? I mean, you've just celebrated the big purchase of soybeans by the Chinese. What about those funds? How long can you function without support from Washington there?
1: Well, it, it makes it very difficult. You know, we uh, we handled it last time. Uh, it, it affects USEC uh, tremendously in their ability to keep things from going in their office now now we've got a lot more support now than we used to have from usb and then the dollars that they put in that help with these funds but you know it's it's a deal where we've got to um, make sure that as farmers that we get the programs up and we get them functioning you know as quickly and efficiently as you can, and, and if it does it does hamper us, and it does hamper our ability.
0: If you had an audience with Senator Roberts and Senator Conaway right now, what would be your priorities for their work? You know, the,
1: the first priority I would say is, is to help the farmers, the farm economy, work with USDA to make sure that those people that are out there that are working on the farm, working the land, that this farm program is helping them out and is meeting their needs. We've been implementing it, but every once in a while you hear of a hiccup here and a hiccup there. And we've got to make sure that this implementation and, and that this farm program is successful because if, if it isn't and if we suffer like we did in the 80s, which I hear continually, especially in West Texas, the older farmers saying, I don't want to go through the 80s again, then... uh then we're going to tear up infrastructure. And one thing that I've learned over the years is that when the infrastructure and in agriculture goes away, it just never seems to come back. And and that's going to hurt a lot of rural America.
0: Our guest has been Wade Callen, the president of the American Soybean Association. Wade, the title of the program is called Open Mic, and this is where I don't ask questions. I hand you the mic.
1: Well, the thing that I always stress, and if you know anything about me, Jeff, is that we've got to work together in agriculture. And, and I'm so glad. You know, I'm so i'm I, I've really been blessed is that whether you're in corn growers or in grain sorghum or in wheat association uh the cotton people they've they've all they've all come around we've all we're all working together and that's what we need to do we need to improve agriculture agriculture as a whole and when agriculture benefits you know it's one of them key industries in the country that
0: when we're doing good, everyone does good. Our thanks to Wade Cowan, president of the American Soybean Association, our guest this week on Open Mic, AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.